grateful to be in the building here today and those online uh, as we pick it up where we last left off in a sermon series that's titled right out of the book in the Bible, Galatians, Galatians. Uh, We're in this book, and we spent about two months working through chapter one and the first part of chapter two, and today we go ahead and open it back up and pick it up where we last left off. I love the book of Galatians because there's something about this book that really has this really powerful emphasis on the gospel, and the gospel is this good news reality that dead people spiritually could become alive through faith in Christ. Not as a result of what we could do to earn it, did you hear me? But as a result of what he did to save us. The gospel is not a good idea. It's not a good suggestion. It's not good advice, but it's good news. It's, it's loud, it's bold, it's breaking, it's dun-dun, dun-dun, live right here at Walk Church. We have a good news message that if we could all grab a hold of, uh, it, would, it would stir our souls today. It would encourage us up. It would be the message. It'd be the news that we actually really do need. In a, in a society, in a day and age where we're overcrowded with information, amen? We're like overloaded with news and details and socials and updates and apps, etc. We need good news. And the good news that we have is in the gospel. That's what the Galatian church is built upon. And the context of the book of Galatians is that was the message that was under attack. So if you look at the book of Galatians in chapter one, you'll find the apostle Paul doing what Jude verse three says. He's, he's contending for the faith. He's contending for the purity of the good news gospel. He's saying, I, I don't want you to believe in a distorted gospel or in an adjusted gospel or in an addition gospel, but in the pure gospel. And what had happened is there were individuals who had came from Jerusalem who made their way inside the Galatian church and began to just distort and add to the gospel. So Paul comes in hot. It's one of the letters where he comes in just right off the bat frustrated and he starts rebuking, he starts correcting and he starts getting people to align back with the good news. Does that make sense? That's the setting of where we find ourselves here today in Galatians chapter 2. And if I could summarize chapter 1 and really a lot of the book in this idea, it's Galatians math. I'll put it up on the screen as a refresher. Some of you know it already. But it's Jesus plus nothing equals, say it with me, enough. enough. And the more we can transform our hearts, we can memorize this I don't know all about you, but I know that there's been many times in my life over the past couple months since we started this series where I either needed to remind myself Jesus plus nothing is enough, or I've had to remind other people, hey, friend, brother, sister, let me just remind you, you don't need to add to it. He's enough. Jesus, in all of his goodness, in all of his righteousness, in his death, resurrection and triumphal ascension into heaven is enough to save sinners like me and you. So it's not Jesus plus Haydn's good works. Come on, amen. It's not Jesus plus a suit and a tie. It's not Jesus plus 50 hours in prayer. It's not Jesus plus perfect church attendance. It's not Jesus plus any of that. 
It's Jesus plus not a, nothing that we bring simply to the cross we cling, right? Equals enough to do it all. And, and what had happened is different people made their way into the Galatian church and said, no, 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 it's Jesus plus. Yes, Jesus, he did his part, but now you got to do yours. Almost as if Jesus paid it all, but we leave the tip. That's not good theology. That, that's bad theology. Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain, but he washed it white as snow, as the great song in him says. Jesus plus nothing equals enough. That's where we've been. Let's go ahead and jump into the text here today. If you're ready, say ready. ready. All right, we're going to make our way into chapter two. Let's go ahead and read a whole lot of scripture. Can we do it? Whole lot of scripture. Here we go. Starting in verse one. The apostle Paul recounting his testimony here. And he's writing to the church and he says, Then after 14 years, I went up again to Jerusalem with Barnabas, taking Titus along with me. I went up because of a revelation and set before them, though privately before those who seemed influential, the gospel that I proclaim among the Gentiles in order to make sure I was not running or had not run in vain. But even Titus, who was with me, was not forced to be circumcised, though he was a Greek. Yet because of false brothers secretly brought in who slipped in to spy out our freedom that we have in Christ Jesus so that they might bring us into slavery. Look at verse five with me. It says, to them, we did not yield in submission even for a moment so that the truth of the gospel might be preserved for you. And from those who seem to be influential, what they were makes no difference to me. God shows no partiality. I love when Paul, the apostle, the writer here, sometimes kind of parenthetically will insert his own thought, right? He's just like, let me just go ahead and, you know, what they were doesn't mean much to me. God shows no partiality. Those, I say, who seemed influential added nothing to me. On the contrary, when they saw that I had been entrusted with the gospel to the uncircumcised, just as Peter had been entrusted with the gospel to the circumcised, for he who worked through Peter for his apostolic ministry to the circumcised worked also through me for mine to the Gentiles. Are y'all still with me? Okay, let's keep on going. And when James and Cephas, now Cephas is another name for Peter. So Paul, Paul is referring to Peter. Sometimes Peter would go by Cephas, Simon, Peter, the rock. He has all types of different names. But when James and Cephas and John, who seemed to be pillars, perceived the grace that was given to me, they gave the right hand of fellowship to Barnabas and me there that we should go to the Gentiles and they too, the circumcised. Only they asked us to remember the poor the very thing I was eager to do. I want to go ahead and pause right there. And if we get to a little bit further, we'll get there. But I want to just go ahead and lean in for a moment to the scriptures that I just read, because I think there's some important principles to catch out of these verses. I want to preach a message to you today that I'm titling, The Gospel Has No Favorites. The Gospel Has No Favorites. Can I get an Amen. The gospel has no favorites. When I read Galatians 2 verses 1 through 10, 
what I'm realizing here is that there was an essence of favoritism, almost an essence of elitism that was happening within the church as a whole. And it was trickling down into the Galatian church where some people from the great city of Jerusalem had moved into the Galatian church to try to spy out, what are y'all doing? What, is, what are you preaching? Let me make sure that you're doing it right. And then there were some that came in and tried to add to the gospel. They tried to adjust it. And Paul is saying here, wait, 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 the gospel has no favorites. That's what I want us to look at here today. Let's look at verse six for just a moment. It says, and from those who seemed to be influential, what they were makes no difference to me. God shows no partiality. Those I say who seemed influential added nothing to me, if I could just highlight this phrase real quick, God shows no partiality. Some translations will say, God shows no favoritism. God, God doesn't have favorites. There's only one favored one. Do y'all know his name? It's Jesus. He's the favored one, and we get invited to have a relationship with him. Therefore, the grace that is bestowed upon, upon him that he is able to give to us, we, we get because of him. So, so there's really no partialness to, partiality is, is when you, you show treatment to this person differently than you do with this person because they have an essence of favor. And God says, hey, God doesn't do that with us. Amen? Amen. Isn't that good news? Yes. Maybe y'all like favoritism. I'm not a big fan of it. I'm grateful that Paul is writing to the Galatians and he's trying to blow up this mentality within uh, the church. He says, there were some who seemed influential, but what they were makes no difference to me. The first point that I want to highlight today, if you're taking notes, is this. Don't find your validation in people. Rather, in his promise. Let me say it again and make sure this side heard me. Don't find your validation in, in people. Amen? Don't find your validation in people. Let me make sure you caught it. Don't find your validation in what other people do, what other people say, what other people think, other people's opinions. Don't let that be the thing that validates your identity. Don't let what other people do, say, or think be the thing that validates your right standing with God. Don't, don't let that happen. Instead, find your validity in his promise. Find your validity in the gospel. It's not Jesus plus what other people think about you is then you'll feel enough. Oh, listen to me. It's not Jesus plus as long as I get an invite, then I'll feel enough. It's not Jesus plus as long as I'm part of the in crowd, then I'll be enough. That's not the gospel. That's, that's addition. Paul says, look, what they were doesn't add much to me. Look at verse six with me. We'll put it up here on the screen. It says, from those who seem to be influential. Now, who's he talking about? I mean, he's talking about some real deal players in the game, right? For example, Peter, James, the brother of Jesus, John, the disciple of Jesus. Imagine going to a Bible study and being like, yo, that's Peter. And today he's given the lesson on walking on water and he's telling his own story. Come on, right? Sometimes I'm like, Paul, they were kind of influential. 
from those who seemed to be influential, what they were makes no difference to me. Paul, Paul's low-key a hater. <laughs> Paul shows up, he's like, yo, what you, you, Peter, James, and John, it doesn't make a difference to me. Then God shows you more favoritism than he shows me. Do you see what Paul, Paul's doing here? He's trying to say, hey, look, nobody's better than one another. The gospel makes the playing field level. For even Peter and James, the brother of Jesus, and John, and even the apostle Paul, who was a persecutor of the church. Now, let me remind you of the context. And I can't do all of the homework because if, if you want to know more about the Galatian church, we spent a couple months walking through chapter one. Go to walkchurch.com or go to our YouTube and revisit those sermons or just read it. I think it could encourage you. But the context of what's happening here is I try to visualize it kind of like an American Idol moment. You ever seen that? Or like the, the voice or whatever those shows are where there's like this panel of judges and behind this panel of judges is the apostle Paul. Oh no, no, I'm sorry. Is, is the disciple Peter, Cephas. And next to him is John, the disciple. And next to him is James, Jesus's brother, born of Mary. There they are. They're in Jerusalem. They're there. Paul, the apostle, gathers two guys. He says, Titus, I want you to come with me. Who's Titus? Titus is a Greek, uncircumcised, different hair, different nose, different style, different skin tone. And he says, Barnabas, older Jewish man, encourager, mentor to Paul. He says, let's all go up and let's have a session with those who seem influential. Can you imagine this moment? Paul says he goes on a journey to Jerusalem. He sets up a meeting with the influencers, Peter, James, and John. And then Paul says he preached the gospel that he's preaching to those in Galatia. And he tells us here in the text that Peter, James, and John go, that was strong. And they give him a handshake. And he goes, not only me, but Titus, you're up. And Titus, who's this Greek uncircumcised, different racially, ethnically, culturally dude shows up. And then he shares his testimony. And Peter, James, and John go, Strong again. Welcome, brother. Handshake. Dap up, right? Welcome. And Paul is now telling the Galatians, look, for those who seemed influential, we got approval from them as well. They, he says, who seemed, they added nothing to me. What I want to encourage you with is this. Don't allow the opinions from those who may even seem to be the influencers of today be the thing that gives you your validity. Let me define the word validity. Validity by definition, it means the state of being accepted. Where, where do you find your acceptance? I want to encourage you to have a big view of God's acceptance from him alone. People's acceptance is important. Don't get me wrong. I hope that you come to this church. I hope you feel accepted. But don't find your validity in that because somebody here is going to let you down. I spend a lot of my time encouraging people, don't worry about their opinion. For real, did you just hear me? <laughs> like, hey, look, I get it. I know that they said that, but don't let that be your validity. I know that they, they didn't do that, but don't let that be where you find your value. I know that they should have done that. I know they let you down. I know they missed the mark. I know they didn't text you back. I know, <laughs> I get it. But don't allow that to be the thing that, that says your stamp of approval. Let Jesus's voice be louder than even that, amen? 
I, I want to encourage you because something's going to happen this week. It might even happen today, and you're going to be questioning your acceptance. You're going to be questioning your validity. But if you base it upon what other people do, you've added to the gospel. You've made it Jesus plus their opinion. And I'm saying that's a dangerous trap to be in. Paul says, I didn't find my acceptance through others. So even Peter, James, and John added nothing to me. Wow. Can you get to that level of security? I love this quote from a popular rap artist who also is a Christian. His name's Lecrae. And I once heard Lecrae say it like this. If you live for people's acceptance, you'll die from people's rejection. If you are so in need, starving for people's acceptance, you'll die from people's rejection. And my friend, listen, Jesus was rejected a lot. Come on, amen? So rejection is part of the process. Rejection comes with walking and following Jesus, but if you have him, you have enough. What I'm trying to help you to get to see from the book of Galatians is you have him, you have it all. When Jesus is the only one that you have, you'll realize he's the only one you need. That gospel math wasn't translating to the Galatians. This is what Paul is trying to challenge them with here today. Look at this verse, Psalm 118, verse 8. He says, it's better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in man. Amen? It's better to take refuge, fullness. God, I find my home in you rather than put my trust and identity in everybody else. I want to encourage you with that today. I was reading in Psalm chapter 20 yesterday. Sometimes I'll, I'll like to read the proverb or the psalm a day or I'll do both in the same day. Yesterday I was in Proverbs and Psalm 20 and I read this verse. It says, some trust in chariots and some in horses or like the 2023 translation, some trust in Teslas, amen? Some trust in bank accounts. Some trust in social media likes and comments. Some trust in all of this stuff. What he said, what she said. I'm not saying that words don't matter, because they do. Words are important. Loving people is important. One of our values is intentional honor. I think we should do a better job honoring one another. I think we should be, do a better job communicating with one another. But when we don't, don't find your identity there. I know too many people over the last eight years of church planning. Can I just be transparent? Can I? Some, all right, y'all, y'all said I could. You had, the, you had the choice to say, nah. I've met countless amounts of people over the past eight years who came up to me after one of our services and said, Pastor Hyden, you don't know how long I've been looking for a church like this. I love it. It's so good. Never saw them again. <laughs> Show back up the next week. Where are they? Where are... <laughs> and if I put my validity in people, I would be a sad pastor. People let me down all the time, but I don't find my validity in others. I find my acceptance in him. I don't put my confidence in the chariots or in the horses. I put my confidence in the gospel. The good news, I've witnessed your faithfulness. 
I've witnessed a lot of people's faithlessness. In fact, if you put your confidence too much in me, I'll let you down. But if you take your eyes off of each other and put it on him, you'll be able to love each other better. You'll be able to work through some tension. You'll be able to work through some mess and turn it into a miracle. Amen. This is what Paul is saying. He's saying, don't trust in chariots and horses. We trust in the name. We trust in the name of of him. That's what I want to encourage you to, to have your heart fixed on here today is to be so confident in his love and his approval and his acceptance of you in the gospel that everything else is far secondary. Does that make sense? Some of y'all in the back? I, I love this quote. Um, one of my favorite pastors uh, went home to be with the Lord this week. Uh, Dr. Tim Keller, um, you've heard me quote Dr. Keller probably close to weekly over the past several years. His work on the gospel has helped transform my thinking, moving away from here's what I can do for him to the, the reality of here's what he did for us. And I love this quote from Dr. Keller, if I just want to honor him on this day. He says, the central basis of Christian assurance is not how much our hearts are set on God, but how unshakably his heart is set on us. Did you catch that? The basis of our Christian assurance is not about how much we are so for you, God. We let him down the next day. Come on. But our assurance isn't based upon us. Our assurance is based on how unshakably his heart is for you. Oh, I hope that helps you breathe a little lighter. That even when you aren't set on God, like you wish you were set on God, he's still set on you because he is God. Amen. And you can find rest in that here today. Paul says, I went up to Jerusalem. I met with those who seemed influential and they they added nothing to me. In other words, don't find your validity in people. Rather, his promise. His promise is I'm with you. His promise is I'm for you. His promise is, I got you. If you find your validity there, you're going to be okay. Amen. Regardless of the storm you're walking through and storms will come and people will let you down and you will struggle in this life. Jesus says it in John 16, but take heart. I'm with you. And that's enough. Let me move into the next part in Galatians two. Let's look at verse seven through 10. He says, on the contrary, when they saw that I had been entrusted with the gospel to the circumcised, for he who worked through Peter for his apostolic ministry to, to the circumcised worked also through me for mine to the Gentiles. And when James and Cephas and John, who seemed to be pillars, perceived the grace that was given to me, they gave the right hand of fellowship to Barnabas and me that we should go to the Gentiles and they to the circumcised, only they asked us to remember the poor, the very thing I was eager to do. Let me give you the next point. If you're taking notes, I want to encourage you to write this down. Don't regard people according to their outward appearance, rather according to the grace given them. Somebody's taking a screenshot. Somebody's writing some notes. Do do your thing right now. But don't miss this moment. Please, 
And let me go ahead and give you the spoiler alert. We're going to get uncomfortable just for a couple minutes, can we? This is how we do at Walk Church. I really hope you come back and I hope you experience what we're talking about because what we're preaching, we're living. This is lifestyle, not just a Sunday thing. Paul says, look, don't regard people according to their outward appearance, according to the flesh. Instead, regard people according to the grace that's been given them. Look at the verse with me one more time. Let's look at verse nine. He says, and when James and Cephas and John, the American, the, the Jerusalem idol panel, right? Brothers and sisters, look at me. These are the all-stars. This is the Mount Rushmore of the New Testament. Amen? Amen. You got, Paul, you went up to Jerusalem and you hung out with James, the brother of Jesus? The author of the book of James? Yeah, I saw him. He added nothing to me. You saw Cephas, like the actual Peter you got a moment with, you get an autograph? Did he autograph a fish or something? Like you, you spent time with the disciple Jesus loved? John? The, the A1 brotherhood there? Paul says, yeah, they seemed to be the pillars. They do. And when they perceived the grace that was given to me, they gave a handshake. <laughs> they gave the right hand of fellowship to Barnabas and me that we should go to the Gentiles and they to the circumcised. Only they asked us to remember the poor, the very thing I was eager to do. I love the fact that Paul, Barnabas, and Titus, different cultures, different ethnicity, different backgrounds, go up to Jerusalem, which is the hub, right? I mean, not that long ago, Jesus died on a cross there. Not that long ago, Jesus rose from the grave there. And now the gospel is spreading in Jerusalem. And the, the pillars of the churches, Peter, James, and John, they're there. They're hosting Bible studies. They're meeting with people. Thousands of people coming to the Lord. And Paul says, I'm, gonna, I'm doing work in Galatia. And there's people that are in the Galatian church trying to tell me I'm doing it wrong. And some said they, they came from Jerusalem. So Paul said, I'm going to go right to Jerusalem. And tell y'all how I'm doing it. And they say they gave him the right hand of fellowship. They approved the ministry that we should go to the Gentiles, he says. Now, who are the Gentiles? Those are the non-Jews. Those are the Greeks. Those are the culturally different people that ethnically, racially, socioeconomically look different than the, the Jewish people and that the Gentiles should see the Jewish people differently as well and they should see everybody through the lens of Christ. Amen. And why should you do that? Well, because the good news of the gospel changed us. So we no longer regard people according to the flesh or what kind of outfit they have on. We regard people according to the gospel. He says it like this, that we should go to the Gentiles and they to circumcise, uh, uh, who seem to be pillars. They perceived the grace that was given to me. I love how Peter, James, and, and John, they don't judge Paul and Titus and Barnabas for how they look, but they see you got grace on your life. We got grace on our lives too. So let's walk this grace walk together. Amen. Amen. That should be the picture of the New Testament church. The church in Las Vegas should look multicultural, multi-ethnic, multi-political. Hello? And it should be covered in grace. 
It should be filled with grace. It should be filled with Gentiles. It should be filled with Jewish believers that have said, yes, I believe that Jesus is the Messiah, Yeshua. They perceived, let me highlight that. They perceived the grace that was given to me. The next time you get into an issue with somebody here at the church, can I just tell you it's going to happen? At some point, somebody's going to let you down. Somebody's going to say the wrong thing. I want you to do this. Just perceive the grace that was given to you and perceive the grace that was given to them and remember the gospel and say, because of that good news, I'll press on with you. Because of that good news, I'll fight the good fight with you. I'll not fight you. I'll fight with you for his glory, for reconciliation, for unity. Come on, somebody say unity. This is what Paul was dealing with in the Galatian church. Look at this verse with me, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 16 and 17. Here's what he says. He says, from now on, therefore we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, He's a new creation. Oh, one of my favorite verses. The old has passed away. Let it pass away. Behold, the new has come. We need to see people with new eyes. We need to see our city anew. Please don't walk around Las Vegas being self-righteous and being super judgy because of how God has worked in your life. We don't regard people according to the flesh. I love how the NLT translation says it. Let me give you the NLT. We've stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. At one time, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view. How differently we know him now. Come on, amen? I love that verse right there. We don't regard one another according to the flesh. We regard one another according to Christ who called us his own. Let me give you another verse. Look at this uh, text in Colossians chapter 3, verse 11. Come on, would you read this with me off the screen? Ready, set, go. Here, there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. Let's go. Paul is writing to the Colossians, very similar to the Galatians. Very similar to the Las Vegans. I didn't say Las Vegans. <laughs> Shout out to the, all the vegans here. Because look, we don't regard you according to vegan or non-vegan. Good example, right? We don't regard you according to Greek and Jew. We don't regard you according to circumcised or uncircumcised. We don't regard you according to barbarian. I love that right there. Like at one time they were like, yo, the barbarian, like they were at the church. They were like, yo, you a barbarian. You ain't coming in. The barbarians, oh, <laughs> dang. <laughs> All of a sudden, Paul is like, whoa, whoa, whoa. We don't regard people according to the flesh. Even the barbarians have a seat at the table. What about the Scythians? Anybody know about the Scythians? Me neither. No, I'm just like, uh, shout out to the, the Scythians. There's a people group in the, in the Colossian culture. There's a people group called the, the Scythians. And Paul says, look, we're, we're, we're not regarding people according to their cultural background and ideology as A1. 
We're, we're because of Christ. What about, what about people who are deemed as slaves? What about people who are deemed as free? Paul says, makes no difference to me. Christ is all and in all. So we should hold all people to a level of value. We should hold all people to a level of honor. The gospel shows no favoritism. The gospel just lets us all be a part and eat at the table. And the conversation doesn't have to change. When I say we, 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 regard, we, we don't regard people record, according to outward appearance, uh, rather to the grace given to us, let me just go ahead and put some up here on the screen and we'll, we'll get ready to close. I'll put these up here. I, I want you to hear me on this, church. This is a big deal because it's a big deal to the gospel. We don't regard people in a special treatment way, whether good or bad, according to their race or ethnicity. Now, you might say today, oh, that's a no-brainer. Well, 50 years ago, it wasn't. And I don't think it is still today. I still think there's a reason why People refer to the white church or the black church or Hispanic church or the Asian church or whatever it may be because we've created this cultural ideology where we don't see each other. We don't hang with the barbarians, Paul. Don't invite them. We don't like the Samaritans. This is what was happening in Jerusalem. And Paul is saying the Galatian church is going to be different. And to prove it, Paul says, let me bring Titus with me to Jerusalem. Out of all the people Paul could have picked, he brings an uncircumcised Greek to share his testimony of salvation. And Peter, James, and John, the pillars go, that's what we're looking for. He says, geography. There were people who came to the Galatian church and said, hey, y'all doing it wrong. And we're from Jerusalem. As if that was going to woo Paul. Paul goes, I'm from Tarsus. What's the difference? And they go, whoa, we never really thought about that. We just, that's, that's, that's the holy land. What makes Jerusalem more holy than Las Vegas? Can you honestly tell me today? Today, nothing. You know what's going on in Jerusalem? It's a whole melting pot of religious activity. What's my point? We don't regard people according to geography. Oh, I'm making some people feel uncomfortable. I like it. We don't regard people according to religious activity. Ooh, you know, people come up to me sometimes. Hey, Pastor Hein, I really want to introduce you to this person. They pray like 50 hours a day. And I'm like, ooh. It must be super special. No. Well, you got to really meet this person. They know Hebrew and Greek. Man, that's dope. But there's no favoritism. You got to really meet this person. They have, they got a lot of money. Oh, God has a lot of money. I'm, 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 I'm not wooed. Like, don't be wooed. Don't be wooed by it. That makes you change your energy. That makes you switch up and how you treat people. This person has a suit and tie on. This person has Jordans on. Paul says, I'm not really too concerned. That's really secondary to me. This person sings hymns. This person sings contemporary. Are they singing about Jesus? Is he the main thing or not? Or is his style the main thing? Is it Jesus plus your style? Or is it Jesus plus nothing? He's enough. Financial position. Come on, amen. 
We don't regard people according to their financial position. Why? Because Peter and James and John say, hey, look, Paul, you go this way and take the gospel to the Gentiles. We'll go this way and take the gospel to the circumcised, to the Jews. But make sure while we do it, don't forget about the poor. As you go to the Gentiles, reach the poor Gentiles too. As you go to the Jews and the circumcision, y'all stay, keep doing ministry in Jerusalem. Paul goes to Galatia and Ephesus and Colossae, right? Make sure you're coming alongside poor people too. Whoa. He says, we don't, we don't regard people toward the outward appearance. We regard people regarding him. The Savior is all. So today, if you have a racism problem, you have a gospel problem. Today, if you have a segregation problem, you have a gospel problem. Today, if you treat people with partiality, you have a gospel problem. And if you email me and say, Hyde, and you got real political, I'm going to email you back and say, I got real biblical. Because I'm reading the scripture here. Paul uses the phrase circumcised and uncircumcised like eight times there. He's talking about how to relate to people at the most intimate and detailed levels. And he says, then the gospel unites. What united this very unique, diverse group of people here in Las Vegas, what united us, it wasn't the Lakers. You know, it, it, it wasn't comfortable chairs. It wasn't this middle school cafeteria. It wasn't your ethnicity. It wasn't the sweet creations, though that was good. It wasn't even my pre. It was him. It was Christ brought men, women, young, old, across the geography, across the racial lines, across the activity, across the financial position. The Lord brought us all together in this room today. Amen. It's a beautiful picture of the gospel, the multicultural, multi-generational, biblical gospel, good news of Jesus Christ. We don't regard people according to the flesh, although you can still value the flesh, but we don't put our identity in that. Put our identity in Him. And that seems to be more than enough. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this time today in your word. God, there was more to get to, and I'm grateful we're going to go there next week. God, help us to continue to level up in our, our gospel identity. Fill us with your Holy Spirit. Fill us with your presence. Fill us with your power. If there's one person in here today that needs to get saved, I pray right now you would take that step. If you came here today and you feel detached from God, and suddenly in this sermon you felt like he was drawing you to himself, right now I want to invite you to, to receive him. Just call on his name. It says, all who call on his name will be saved. Just right now, say, Lord, I receive you. I don't have it all together, but you do. So I put my faith in you today. You're my firm foundation. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for calling me your own. I turn away from my sins and I turn to you with faith. Thank you for the gospel. In Jesus' name, amen.
Amen. Amen. Praise God. Come on.